so it's really comfortable at the same time you know knowing the cash flow that is coming in each month with those plans but on the other side of the team wasn't happy they were getting too much work and it was just a little bit hard to balance that and client expectations with that as well and fixed rates and hourly so it became too much to the point we stopped doing unlimited Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Webflail. Today, my guest is Thoria Runarsson. I met Thoria for the first time in real life a few days ago at the London Webflow meetup, although I have spoken to him online in a cafe Nero with terrible Wi-Fi before that. Thoria founded Snowhouse Studio in 2020, the Icelandic powerhouse. Exceptional partnerships and client projects have helped him grow fast, which is a mixed blessing as you're about to find out. He now has over nine people working with him at the studio, but not only that, he's a father of three too, so he's a busy man, but he is crushing it in the Webflow space. Fails we talk about in this episode are growing too fast and hiring too quickly, the unlimited plan subscription that didn't quite work, and not knowing his numbers carefully enough. So embrace and learn from failure in episode 37 of Webflow with Thore Runarsson. Thore, welcome to the Webflow podcast. Thank you. That was, that was really good. That was really good. <laughs> Thank, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, I am very glad you're here. And it's nice to see you so soon after the, the Webflow London meetup as well. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to schedule this meet with you uh, soon after that. So we're fresh um, straight from that. But that was one hell of a time. Honestly, I could have stayed there for three nights uh, because you wanted to speak to so many, but time goes by so fast that all of a sudden it's it's over, right? Um, but I'll, I'll definitely be coming to those every year if you still still have them. That is the plan. I mean, maybe there could be like a two-day or a three-day fly-out-to-a-villa type event in the future. Who knows? I want to get dig into your past a bit because you started in 2015 an Icelandic travel marketplace with your childhood friend. Now you're running Snowhouse. Fill in the dots for me. Right. Uh, it was it was the case of working at a, a boring job. Uh, wanted always wanted to do um, create some sort of business. Right. So me and my buddy we've been friends for since we were five, six years old, sat down at a bar and decided then and there we're going to find some business to start. Um, we didn't have any money. We had maybe a thousand bucks each to do something. And um, travel industry was booming. Um, we didn't know a thing about travel industry. Uh, haven't traveled much in, in Iceland and outside of Iceland. Not Nothing crazy, but we thought, all right, this will be rather cheap to create. We can do this. Uh, knowing nothing about business, uh, nothing about um, design or development, uh, but obviously have to have a website. So that's where I kind of stumbled into this world by uh, having to do something. I, I would say I was the most creative one out of uh, us two. He was more strategic one. Uh, so it fell into my hands and luckily it fell into my hands because otherwise I might not be uh, in this creative field. 
and then covid was the big thing that that halted that and then you had to kind of switch careers was that kind of how it happened or yeah it 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 a little bit so we grew very fast um luckily and and our goal with that company was to grow it um invest all the capital we got back into the business um like i said grew really fast where um had a lot of revenue plenty of people got into operations as well not only being a marketplace then you sort of move from that position you want to do design and marketing and work on the website to become a manager of a travel company where i have no personal interest in really you know i like traveling but it's a hard um business to be in especially if you don't enjoy the enjoy that industry that much but i love the design part and development part of it learned a lot and and the thing is we we worked so hard on it for four or five years then we had one of the biggest airlines in iceland bauer which went bankrupt and cheap flights to iceland and all over the world so that was our core target audience that were people that were flying cheap but spending money on activities such as snorkeling you know glaciers ice caves and those kinds of things and when they went bankrupt you know 50% of revenue more dropped in a day and we had this rather big overhead lots of people and we made that decision basically to fire everybody go back to the basics just me and my my um, buddy but the thing is you have people on payroll don't get that much in and we've spent all our capital into reinvesting in in better infrastructures you know and and everything that goes with it I had a big office space and that just three months four months of that that eats you up and we did not have the motivation to kind of do we want to hustle it out just go back to basics um i just had my first kid that back then when this was happening he was always the father of three then and we were like let's just call it we've learned a lot we were burnt out really we didn't want to go and and try to build it back up again but i'm really glad we made that decision because three months later covid hit and <laughs> many businesses uh went bankrupt when that hit, hit. so we were lucky not to have spent extra 3 or 4 months on on that wow so it happened this kind of breaking down of of the company actually before covid but then obviously if if you waited a few more months you would have been really hit i'd imagine that must have been really hard emotionally to deal with after you had poured so much of your energy and love into creating something from nothing and then you did the same process with snowhouse and that must have been real big like oh my god do i want to do this type of emotional stress again yeah so so uh to be honest with you you would think it would be much harder um to experience that but i was also very relieved that it was done you know i was i was tired um and like i said had my first baby and i was like yeah i can stay at home for a while just spend time with family and kind of figure out what i want to do um and uh, so it was not necessarily a bad thing uh, and i think that was because of uh, you know it's not something i was very very passionate about the travel industry per se 
we did we did so many mistakes, like so many failures. And I saw this as a blessing as well to be able to. I I got to hone my skills, found my true passion, which was design primarily and and development as well. So when I decided to to uh, create Snowhouse, I was I could do it a lot faster and a lot simpler and more efficiently um, with those experiences I had before and uh, prevented a lot of failures, not all of them, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Um, but it, it helped a lot with Snowhouse to have gone through that experience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think if anyone had kind of looked at your Snowhouse success so far, I mean, considering that you started the agency in 2020, I think people would be like, what is this guy doing? But actually, you've had this whole fundamental experience before starting Snowhouse that actually, you know, right. growing a team, managing a team, like cash flow, like all of that, the kind of fundamental basic stuff that I think a lot of web flowers actually struggle with. They're like, I want to make, you know, I want to design. I want to do the, the, the kind of fun, playful thing that people enjoy and actually running a creative business is a very very different beast and um it's interesting that you've you've had such a fundamental experience before that yeah so so yeah i i went back to you know when i was deciding on what what the hell am i gonna do here i kind of wanted to uh work with people i applied for a lot of local design jobs but i didn't have that strong portfolio because I've only designed uh, for the travel company and, and, you know, did a little explorations here and there. So I didn't have a very strong portfolio. I uh, got a few interviews though, but didn't get any jobs. So I, I was basically on Christmas break 2019, watched this um, awards course on, on Figma to Webflow. Um, got into that and paused it maybe halfway through and created Snowhouse in the process of watching that course. Uh, and I did that, threw it up, learned a lot with that course and just fell in love with it, created Snowhouse in two weeks or something and launched early 2020. And then things took off rather quickly, which was awesome. <laughs> Fucking awesome. That is so mental that you were like trying to get a job you didn't get a job and you were just like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to make the job that you wanted to have. That's insane. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, uh, I think the past experience helped a lot there. Uh, being comfortable, you know, just diving deep into something. Um, even though the, the, the situations were not necessarily the best thing, just had, um, just had my first kid. Um, and you know had no income for for quite a while but you know having great support there helped helped a lot um me being able to create Snowhouse, um and yeah i think my partner for that as well i think um that made a whole lot of difference uh getting her support i was gonna say i mean i think a lot of the time you know, when, when someone is able to do something like you have and, and push something as hard as you have in, in a short space of time, um, you know, your your family support must have been insane to, you know, be in the travel industry, 
not be in the travel industry, kind of be working out what you want to do while having a kid and, and then have the support and confidence that you're like, I'm going to go for something else completely different, but still something again. That says a lot about your partner and family and friends. Partner, yes, has has helped a lot, you know, giving me the space to do what I want to do. And I, I, I guess, you know, um, I, you kind of take that for granted. You don't notice those things until you talk about them um, because it's just normal for me. But I think that having having her by my side has made such a difference um, in me being able to do what I want to do. Let's get into your uh, your failures then because I'm very intrigued to to dig into some of this stuff. You're, tell me about failure number one, growing too fast, hiring too quickly, saying yes to everything. Right. Yeah. I think that that's a common one, not necessarily only in the creative field, but running a business in general. Um, when you hit that growth spike, um, how do you manage the people? How do you manage the creative work? Um, also going from doing everything yourself um, being a one-person team for quite a while, having, you know, the first two, three employees, then more than that, um, where you stumble into this, you all of a sudden get a lot of attraction, get a lot of leads, and you want to take them all on, even though your bandwidth is completely maxed out. Um, we, I did this very well in the beginning when I was still alone, masked under a, an, an agency, um so when things were picking up there's so there is easy to find awesome people within the community to help you to step in and on a freelance or contract basis um so i did that for a while that worked really well um when the time came that it was you know i can maintain that workload i decided all right we have been that busy for three or four months let's bring um, people on full time and see how that goes. Um, luckily, early hires were crazy good. Um, one of my my first employees was was Lucas, which has been, you know, a huge part of our success and and got a, got good people early on. So then things were picking up more and more, right? And all of a sudden. You know, you step back and you have a team of, of, of 12 people at one point and you're put in a situation where the same situation I basically didn't want to go back into becoming a manager, becoming a CEO. Uh, luckily, I like this field, so it's much more enjoyable to be uh, a CEO or manager in this position rather than travel industry because I actually love this industry. Uh, it's a lot easier, but that means I'm stepping away from doing the things I really want to do, which is design and develop, um, more making sure everything is running smoothly. Um, another thing is when this happens, we, we didn't necessarily have the time to train people properly, to onboard them properly, uh, have SOPs in place. So you know, everyone can come on and see, you know, the notion document of everything, document the process and everything. So we did not have those things in place. It was more, you got three new clients coming in this week. Let's 
hire somebody fast and roll with it, right? That resulted in the work not being as great as it could be, right? We got so many things. We're putting out fires every day rather than stepping back and let the creative process happen. You know, it was more like throwing some designs, doing this, not very meaningful thing. Um, and it's really difficult to maintain that when you have so, so many deadlines. Um, so basically the quality control wasn't good enough. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, that stacks up again and again and again. Then it resulted in some clients obviously leaving, not being happy with the work. The communication was not as good as it should be. Um, and, you know, trying to maintain that was really difficult. Wow. Can we, can we just circle back to, you know, what was your... I think this is an interesting question because people just assume you want to grow an agency. Like, grow, 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 grow. But did you have a goal at the start to be like, I want to grow up to a certain point or I want to grow a team of X amount of people? Or was it just like, oh, shit, we need people to, we need to hire people because we need to do this work? Or like, what was your mindset at that time just to understand what your goals were and how that then panned out? Yeah, it's a great question. So when I got into this, it was, you know, I've experienced growth, significant growth in the travel industry. And I, I, I do not, did not want that um, to do, you know, grow and grow and grow. And all of a sudden have a team of, of 20 or 30 or 50 people. Um, so when I got into this, I just wanted to have enough, to do, uh, enough things to do for myself that I would be perfectly happy. But, you know, life hits you, business hits you, things change uh, quite significantly when you're not stopping and thinking about, is this, you know, are those, do I want this? Is this part of my personal values as well? Uh, so when things started to pick up, when I was hiring um, the first freelancers and things like that, and, and Lucas a little bit later on, you know, I was expecting to, we were expecting our third kid uh, last summer. Um, so beginning of 22, I had a goal of, I want to take a break uh, this summer, newborn, also the uh, two older kids, you know, go off daycare and such things. So I want to be able to spend a month or two um, traveling with them and just being at home. So that was the only goal. I did not want to work that much, um, you know, creatively, be attached to the clients we had and had to sit by the computer in order to live, right? So I made a decision to hire Lucas on, and he was, you know, so good early on that he could basically, uh, when summertime came, he could manage uh snow house in a way i was there right i wasn't gone i attended meetings and such uh, but he could handle the day-to-day -day, which was really awesome so that was my only goal to be able to step away not being attached to client work in order um to take a break right to 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 feel you know safe in a way um, so that was the only goal I had. 
but then all of a sudden you're growing and growing and growing. Um, you have to have more people and more people. So it was only late last year when things were getting a little bit rough, right? You know, tech industry was, was becoming a little bit difficult. Uh, stock market being red and client work. Not as much demand um, for creative agencies. And I talked to a few people about this and, and it's still like this a little bit, but all of a sudden you have, in my opinion, rather large team in such a short period of time. So going from one beginning of 22 to 12 people at the end is, is a lot for me. Then the work stopped coming in and the quality goes a little bit lower and all of a sudden you're like, shit. And every freelancer and agency goes through this. And we talk about this very much where it's either too much work or not enough. There is no middle ground, smooth sailing. There's it just doesn't happen. And we were hitting this low point in November, which made me step back and, and think, right, this is a good learning experience, but now we have 12 people and we don't have enough work for every single person here. So we unfortunately had to lay few people off, made a conscious decision to go back to basics, right? To go back to the, to the core team. And, and, and I wanted to step back into designing more, uh, being more strategic um, and work closer with our team and our clients. So yeah, we went back a little bit and I looked at my, my values. I wrote both business values and personal values beginning of 22. And I was a very far away from those values. Right. Um, and all of a sudden lar large team in, in my, my, my universe. Yeah. Very happy to kind of go back, reassess and take it from there. I think it sounds like your goals at the start, um were essentially i want to create a kind of an agency machine as it were uh which which could kind of manage itself like for you for the day-to-day -day, at least when you when you had kids but it also sounds a big personal priority was to do the creative like you didn't get into this industry to to manage a team so much and actually just enjoy your work in a in a bigger in a bigger more meaningful way which I want to ask you about. So how does someone, you know, found an agency, run it and do client calls and all that stuff, but also just kind of be involved in Figma and Webflow? And because there seems to be a tension there between, you know, you're trying to hire people and you're trying to like manage a business and work out cash flow and get leads and all that stuff that you do as an agency founder. But then you also want to um, kind of actually do the work and that must be a tension there i mean how do you think about that yeah i i think it you know it it, it comes down to i really want it i really want to uh be designing and be current in both design and web flow and no code and all that so like that goes back to also business values and personal values that you know that is one of my top priorities so i gotta set time for that Living in Iceland, most of our clients are U.S.-based, so we got a lot of time zone different that, there. So usually that gives me four hours in the morning uh, to do 
kind of what I, what I want to do with full focus. But once that the team starts waking up um, and the clients start waking up, then my focus is a little bit out there as well. Then you can step into that role for the rest of the day, taking those meetings, you know, managing people, uh, managing invoices and all that goes into it. So I find that's, that's a good balance. I'm very happy with that balance, um, which is also great doing a little, little bit of this and a little bit of that, because I need that creativity in a way, because otherwise I, my day is not as good if I, if I miss that part. And also I stepped away from design and development for a few months. So when I was picking it up again, like with every skill, it took time to, and it's still taking a little bit of time to, you know, boost those creative juices up again a little bit because I stepped away from it quite a while. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so what you're saying is people should just move to Iceland and then their clients cannot annoy them in the mornings. Yeah, that's basically what, what I'm saying. And also then I have more people here to hang out with. Uh, so that's exactly what I'm saying. Hey, win-win. So we're all going to come with you in Iceland. I think there's something that I want to pick up though, and maybe this is helpful for anyone listening, writing down your business values and your personal values and making sure that there is an alignment between the two. Because I think a lot of the time, tensions come in our life when our thoughts and actions don't match. And I don't want to sound like a Buddha here, and I'm not a spiritual and stuff, but I've been thinking a lot about this person recently, you know, work-life balance. You can't have crazy business goals and then want a really chilled out life. That's, there's no symmetry in that logic. I think having a list of, of business goals and, and personal goals and making sure that you know, you're clear yourself what enough work means and when enough is enough. That's something that I've definitely been thinking about a lot. So thanks for, for sharing that tip. Tell me about failure number two then. The unlimited plan subscription did not work for your agency. Tell me about that. Yeah, hot topic. Uh, hot topic. So yeah, I think it definitely can work. I think there are so many sides of this unlimited thing that is currently going on that it it also comes back to what we were talking about the personal values and do you want to have a team or not and how do you handle this so there are so many pros and so many cons as well um so so when i started out to get any work whatsoever i priced unlimited design and then had another plan for unlimited design development design cost 990 a month when i started out development cost 1490 I did not care about the prices. I just wanted to get work. And we got work early on on those plans. And it was, was great. You know, I could handle it. It worked out perfectly. Clients did not expect crazy amount because the prices were not that crazy. So it was easy to manage that. And I was, like I said, I was alone. So it, it worked out great. But then you... You come into a situation where you want to grow a team as well, and nine ninety a month for limited is not sustainable because nobody is willing to work for for that, right? You have to have crazy amount of clients and not that much to do for every single client. Um, we raised obviously we raised the prices quite significantly. You know, the unlimited became two ninety nine and then three ninety nine. Um, but we introduced, when I launched the version two of Snowhouse, it changed it up quite a bit. So we had 10, 20, 30, then unlimited. So 10, 20, 30, meaning 
hour in hours than we had mm -hmm. unlimited and a lot of people went on the unlimited um a lot of clients um but when once we had a team we were doing those we we're doing hourlies we we're doing unlimited and also fixed rate pricing and offer a whole lot of services as well with a team and very high expectations of of the clients even though you try to maintain those expectations uh up front but the team is stressed out you got to put something out in 24 48 hours which led to also not that great work and the team being stressed and the client being stressed and also you know even though the client did not necessarily have that much work they were just getting us to do something in order to use our time which they were paying for right so they might not even end up using it but i think think there's lots of pros here as well and i want to touch a little bit on them as well because it's it's good if you have five or ten or fifteen or whatever unlimited clients then you can see all right we get x amount a month i can maintain this with x amount of employees so it's really comfortable at the same time, you know, knowing the cash flow that is coming in each month with those plans. So that's, that was very comfortable having that. But on the other side of the the team wasn't happy. They were getting, you know, too much work. And it was just a little bit hard to balance that and ex client expectations with that as well. And fixed rates and hourly. So it became too much to the point we kind of, all right, let's just stop doing unlimited, only have hourly, hourly plans and fixed rates. But we still have, we grandfathered some nice clients into that unlimited, which has worked out for many months. So we got a few clients on that and, and have great experience with those clients. So they are successful. But yeah, it's a hot topic. It's difficult, but it's nice. It's kind of, it's all over there, all over the place. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of different parts to that. So, I mean, I imagine you initially did um, this kind of subscription-based model because you could have cash flow forecasting. You know, you knew if someone signed up for X amount of months, okay, great. I know that that, that money is coming in. And then I assume that's how you judged whether to make hires. You know, if someone signed up for six months, then you were like, okay, this is a big client. I know that I'm going to need someone to at least come in for that time so you can make hires off that. So it's kind of like, it sounds like a smart decision at the time, but then clients, they kind of feel like they should use the time because it's unlimited and they're just like getting you to do stuff that they may or may not use. And it sounds like a bit of a nightmare from the point of view of you have different service options and staff are trying to you know, manage all these different clients with completely different deadlines for some tasks that are maybe a big, some tasks that are maybe small, and it must be, yeah, it sounds like it's a healthy thing that you've kind of rolled back the amount of options and just making them hourly so that you can limit the amount of client decision making to certain times so that they prioritize the things that. Yeah, right. That is just you know, yeah. I think if I was still doing things alone, uh, alone. I, or two or three people, I might still have it. But it also goes back to, you know, everything we talked about. You know, do I want to have that pressure on my back? And that's something I'm not willing to do personally um, because I want my family time. Uh, I want the team 
to feel like they are doing meaningful work. Uh, so, so taking a little bit conscious strategic decision to move more into providing more value, better value, and have the client control what they want us for, right? So if they get on 50-hour plan, we offer lots of services, we can guide them, but ultimately become become their team and they can kind of distribute their hours that is the most helpful for them rather than just putting out work and work and work constantly and can i ask about that so i mean how do you stop your team from becoming their team because i imagine that is quite a strange scenario where a client signs up for a plan and then i imagine there's some kind of communication channel like slack or something do you assign one of your team members to be like okay handle this client this client it's your responsibility but then you know, your employee is still meant to be doing other work at the same time. How, kind of how does, how is that managed? Yeah, that's a good, good question. So we also went, I would say, too long without a project manager. So it was basically Lucas and I doing design development, project management, and bringing the team on to help us here and there. But as soon as we, you know, get a proper project manager and he is, I can take a step back and Lucas can take a step back from that client communication and time zone differences as well. So I'm not communicating with clients all the time. Then we just assign, you know, our project manager, we take a client on and then look at our bandwidth as a whole, you know, who is doing what. Um, and we can bring on one designer or one developer, uh, you know, on board them and the client. And then we have, if something goes wrong, we have, you know, I step in or Lucas steps in. So we have, uh, we're quite flexible to a point that there's not necessarily only one designer or one developer working with that client, but they get the whole team in a way. So we're just trying to maintain this on a weekly basis, you know, see what, what the bandwidth is, uh, is look, uh, looks like and try to optimize that in the best way possible for each client. Um, but going back to that, we become their employee. Um, it's 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 not the same in a way. They it's not like we are their full time employees. We are very transparent with them in the beginning that we are here to help them. We're you know setting the boundaries straight that it takes time to get what you want. So having good deadlines two weeks three weeks four weeks or longer so we can assess as a team and kind of bring it home it it works out worked out it takes time to get there but it's working pretty smoothly at the moment that's interesting though that you have your kind of full team capability with clients depending on you know skill sets and also availability Um, but i imagine it takes a little while to actually kind of train the client as it were to to know what know how to behave with you and and make sure that you can actually um you know set clear enough boundaries that they don't mess with you saying why isn't this done yesterday it's like well you didn't actually it's give us enough time to and all of that stuff yeah so so there is also another another aspect of this which is most of our clients come to us and they need a, maybe to rebrand or refresh and they need web design and development. That's our core strengths. 
So we we usually do fixed rates, right? We scope the project out, create a proposal. You know, it takes for standard process, right? Like most agencies do. But then we do our standard operating procedures, onboarding them, getting to know them, provide strategy, learn about their businesses, their goals, and all that, and bring the team involved and do that work for two or three months. Once that is done, we usually try to transition them over to those plans to continue to work on them and optimize them. So, you know, if you get a really good client or a really bad client, you cannot know that from the start and you can run. I don't think the plans suit you necessarily if they're really, really bad. But in most cases, you have done a lot of groundwork with with that. So when they get on those plans, you know them, you know their team, you know their business, you know what they're trying to accomplish. So it's much more successful that way. So we try to steer away from clients coming on straight on those plans. Um, rather do, you know, take it fixed rates and then move them slowly onto those plans, which has been, you know, that is our most successful client agency studio relationship or if they go through that process. Okay, that's really, really important. So if anyone's listening, thinking, I want to offer a subscription-based model uh, workflow service, just be aware that if you sign someone up for multiple months without really knowing how they operate, who they are, you know, are they going to message you at one in the morning and stuff, then maybe offering a subscription-based model is not appropriate. Your personal values are going to go out the window <laughs> if you have a client that's going to do that. So what you're saying is you always give them, we're going to set you up so that we can do a subscription-based model, improve your SEO, maybe create content and pages, whatever. But first, we're going to do a fixed race price at this rate. We're going to do branded entity. We're going to do the design. We're going to do the build. And, you know, it, depending on how that works out, you know, we do have hourly options post that. I think that makes a lot more sense in my head. Yeah, and also, you know, it's, it's, it's because... <laughs> At a certain point, you want to not just be pushing pixels and developing and doing, you know, don't, don't find that meaning in the, in the way you can design whatever, but there is no strategic decision for what you're designing. So we want to provide more values, more strategy, more, you know, getting to know each client be, before we do work for them. But if they want to go on those plans, that's fine. We can do that. But we always try to set us at at time aside to you know getting to know you setting things up properly do a little bit of strategy you know create a timeline or goals for this year or quarter or whatever we want to take the first 20 30 hours to do that properly so if they're happy with that we can do that i mean sometimes we recommend that when client comes on and they don't necessarily know what they want or know what they need we sell them 20-hour packages and do that with them. Do that strategy, uh, define the scope, do the prep work for the 20 maybe or 30, depending on how big of a project it is. Then they go on to, you know, fixed rates um, and hopefully transition to those plans after that. Interesting. Okay, so what you're saying is you sometimes do offer, you know, small packages for people that don't really know what they want. If they enjoy that experience working with you in strategy, then you would potentially offer a fixed rate thing. 
which is like, okay, now we've done strategy, we're going to do the uh, brand identity and web design, uh, sorry, web development, and then you can offer hours per that. Okay, that's really interesting. So what you're saying is there's no right or wrong here. What you've that there's a flexible, you need to be flexible to your client's needs and craft a package depending on what they need, but also respecting your own personal boundaries as a freelancer or agency owner. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, also it's really good to offer those those packages because they haven't worked with you before. They don't know you, right? Whether you're quoting projects 10, 50 or 60, whatever it is, they can get buy this 20-hour package and at least get something, invest in something before they go out and spend 20K or 30K or whatever that may be. So they get the experience of working with us uh, so they feel comfortable investing more money into the, the, the digital world, creative world, uh, because they feel comfortable uh, having us as a partner. Yeah, it's like having some canapes before sitting down for a three-course meal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, tell me about failure number three, not knowing your numbers, such as estimates versus actuals. Yeah, um, so just to make it clear, I'm not very big numbers guy. Um, that's not my strong suit. I'm more creative. Uh, and numbers sometimes don't go well with the, with the creative mind. But I basically did not have time last year to do because everything was hectic. Uh, was start tracking our time for basically everything we do, whether it's fixed rate projects, whether it's hourlies, whether they are still on unlimited plans. Track track those hours. Each individual track those hours. So I, I, I don't usually spend too much time creating a proposal. I kind of just estimate it out, throw it together in 20 minutes or something just to get it out there. I don't want to spend too much time looking into every little detail that might come. Just say, you know, this page, maybe four hours, what up, the project will end up being 200 hours. Let's just price that at X amount. What we do then is take that project, we have the, the estimate, we have the scope of work very clearly, and we start the work, um, track those hours. So at the end of the project, and we have just started doing this, it's kind of learned from the, the future is having action, uh, after action reports where the team comes together, we talk about what went well, what we can do better, just kind of celebrate a little bit that that project is, is done and successful. Then we also look at the time span. So I estimated X amount. Let's say the project was, was 10K. We end up spending our time for 5K. Okay, great. I can look at that. We got 5K profit. It's not 5K profit. Obviously, there's a lot more of, of things you, you pay for in business, all those tools you use, taxes and everything. But you can look at that number and say, all right, I estimated this. We did it at that, that time and start collecting that, that, that data with every single project we take on. That's really powerful. So after action reporting, I've heard something similar, similar advice um, with freelance for freelancers where even if you're not working hourly you know as a as a freelancer if you've done a fixed rate price for a project still track your hours work out what time you're spending on what part of the project you know why is 
it taking so long to get through the design phase. Maybe it's because you need to add an extra step. Maybe it's because you didn't ask enough questions at the start. Maybe, you know, like, don't don't just track time for, for tracking time's sake. Track time to critically ana- analyze how the project's gone after each project, even if it's on your own. Yeah, and I think, it's, you know, we suck so much at time management, right? We think everything will take 30 minutes. It ends up taking two hours, and it goes the other way as well. You think... And I've, I've not been in this for that long, but I still get it very, very wrong. Uh, and I think that's just the way we are. We, we, I'll be there in 30 minutes. All of a sudden, you, you are there in two hours. That's just, we never seem to, to learn from that, I think, unless we take a little bit of time to look at the data, look at the time we spend. And you can also look at it, all right, we spent too much time there or we spent too little. And how can we optimize this process to be more efficient, right? If it's development or design or whatever strategy, we can look at that time and say, you know, we we need to find a better way to do this because this is taking too long or we're spending too little time doing that. This I'm glad you said the opposite as well, though, because sometimes I think there's this there's this optimization like we need to optimize 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 and make things quicker and increase profits and stuff but that sometimes overlooks the fact that you know sometimes like to do good work it does take time and like there are things that i think you can churn out projects and i've had horrible phrases like lift and shift and stuff like that that agency owners have used that i've worked with and it's just like that is not gonna get the best result for the client. So I'm glad that you said there just about you know optimizing and trying to reduce the amount of time on particular parts of the the process. It's actually also working out you know where are the sticky points that maybe we needed to spend a little bit longer. Before we end, I want to ask you one final question: What is your next failure going to be? Oh, that's a good question. I think, you know, we're still failing in many ways, right? We're still not doing this properly or that that um, properly. So I think it's about um, documenting the process a little bit more so we can set our uh, team members up for success and train them properly is something um, I will put more effort into welcoming them and, and doing a better job rather than throwing them right into the client project. Uh, I think that's that's the next thing. And I don't want to scale too quickly again, so I'm looking at one or two maybe new ones in, in this year. So doing that properly, I think, will benefit us greatly down the line. Wow, what an episode that was. Thanks so much for Thoria for coming on here and dropping knowledge and thanks to you beauties for listening. Now, the big takeaway here for me is about the pros and cons of subscription-based pricing. As Thoria explains, subscription-based pricing was great for him to start getting clients, meant he had consistent cash flow and could predict his hires more effectively as his agency grew. However, it's important to know things to think about. Setting clear client expectations so your client knows what the agreement is. Offering subscriptions depending not only on client needs, but on your own boundaries. You don't want to offer unlimited design if you can't fulfill that for multiple clients, for example, right? And perhaps thinking about offering a small package 
which you can both see, you and the client can see how it is working together and then decide whether you want to offer a subscription moving forward. Salient points here made by Thoria, I hope that really helps you guys to think maybe more carefully about subscription-based pricing. Hope this episode was really helpful. Next week, Carlos Sepulveda will be sharing his flails. He's a Colombian webflower and he's got tons to say on quality of life as a webflower, how to freelance effectively, how to get your first clients. Really powerful episode for next week. So see you next Tuesday, webflavors.